We're turning your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look this morning at verses 17 through 21. And it's a great passage because it tells us the story of the Bible. It talks about reconciliation. In fact, it's the, the best passage in the whole Scripture that deals with the truth of how God has brought man to himself through Christ. Paul writes in this letter, he's writing to the Corinthian church. He wants them to be faithful. He wants them to understand the ministry that God has for them. And then at the same time, we think about it, we want to be faithful to fulfill the ministry that God has for us. And so as we begin, we raise some questions. What is our ministry? And what does God have for us to do? We're all in ministry to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. We're put on this earth as representatives of our Savior. So as we think about it, as we start this new year, we want to be encouraged as we look at one of the great passages. This passage deals with God's plan of reconciliation. And sometimes when you see a big word like reconciliation, we're talking about God's plan of how he brings man back to himself. That's the story of the Bible. God, the perfect God, brings sinful man, man who sinned and come short of the glory of God, where fallen. He has a way to take man who is dead in sins and separated and bring him back into a relationship and that's through Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to see as we look at this passage. So we want to be encouraged as we look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 this morning. What do you think of when you hear the word minister? Sometimes you think about like a pastor. You think a minister. He's a minister of this church or something. But sometimes you might think about an official position like the prime minister of a country or something like that. What do you think of when you hear the word ministry? Sometimes you say, well, a ministry, like a church has a ministry, or maybe Salvation Army has a ministry, or there's a ministry to the homeless, something like that. Or sometimes you think of individual. You say, oh, ministry, oh, I work with the youth, or I work in the nursery, or I work with college people, or I do something like that. So when you think about it, minister is the one who serves. Ministry is what is being done. So think about it. So here's the question as we think about the body and the church. Who does the ministry? Who are the ministers? Who are they? Well, the truth is, it's all of us. Every one of us in this room who know Jesus Christ as Savior, we've been set apart when we trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior. We've been placed in the body of Christ. We've all got different gifts, talents, and abilities. And God says, you take your gifts, talents, and abilities, and you serve and you touch lives for Jesus Christ. We have a ministry, and it has been given to us. And as we see in Paul, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, it's called the ministry of reconciliation. We get to tell people how they can be brought back to God. Now, when you think about it, Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He wrote in the first letter, he was correcting all kind of issues. In the second letter, he's to encourage them and wanting them to grow and to fulfill the ministry that God has for them. And in the same the, the truth is we have exactly the same ministry. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. Let me give you the breakdown of the passages so you can see how it fits. In verses 17, 18, and 19, we see God's plan, who we are and what God has done. He's done two things, and then we're going to see this is all the story of the Bible. Then we see our responsibility. What are we to do? And this is where we make application. We're going to look at these things, and then we say, wait a minute, what is the application in our lives? Because one of one of the great truths is we study the Bible, but we don't study the Bible just to say, I know what the Bible says. We're supposed to study the Bible so we can know it, so we can apply it. And that's what we'll see in verse 20. And then in verse 21, he generally gives us the basis for the whole thing. How is it all possible? And so as we look at this, we see God's plan, our responsibility, and the basis for it. Let's start with God's plan. Okay, and we think about it. This, this is where we look at ourselves. And we think about the fact that we were dead in sin. Every one of us in this room at one time, we, came, we were born in this world as sinful, fallen people. Uh, we couldn't understand the things of God. And yet, 
because of Jesus Christ, how he came to the earth and died in our place on the cross and paid for our sin, and we trusted in him. You trusted in him as your Savior. You believed that he would give you eternal life. The moment you did that, you were changed. You're different. You were dead, but now you're alive, and you're placed in Christ. And this is what Paul's going to start off by saying in verse 17. He gives a little summary in the whole chapter 5. He gets to verse 17, and he says, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, new things are coming. You could say it this way. If you believed in Jesus Christ, you're a different person. And we're going to look at it. So he therefore has this little summary. Therefore, Paul makes his point. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. By the way, uh, in, in the Greek, there's a bunch of different ifs. And they're not like us. Because we say, gee, if it, if it rains, we won't be able to play outside. We don't know if it's going to rain or not. But in the Greek, there's an if that says if and is true. That means if and is true. There's an if and if and is not true. There's even an if that says maybe it's true, maybe it's not true. This is one of those first class which says if and is true. He says if and is true, anyone's in Christ, they're a new creature. And so what does it mean to be in Christ? What does that mean? Well, it means to be in union with Jesus Christ. The moment you put your faith in Christ as Savior. For all of us in this room, I hope every one of you in this room have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior. If not, right where you're sitting right now, you can say, I believe that Jesus Christ is my Savior. I'm trusting Him and Him alone to give me eternal life. That exact moment you are placed in Christ. The, in Christ is called, the body of Christ is called the church. The moment you believe in Christ, you're placed in Him. That's why he says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, we're in union with Christ. That happens the moment we believe. The Bible looks at it and it says, in Adam, all die. When you're born in this world, you're, you're in union with Adam, sinful fallen people. The moment you trust Christ, you're in Christ, the righteous, holy God. That's how he looks at us. That's how we are. He says, if any man's in Christ, guess what? You're a new. You're a new creature. You're a new person. You're something new. And by the way, I want to show you something. In the, in the Greek language, there are two different words for new. There's a word that means new as in time. Like, this is my old one. This is my new one. This was like three weeks ago. This is like that. But then there's something that means new that's better. This is my old one. This is my new one. My new one's a lot better. This is the word used here. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's new, better creation. See, even though we're made in the image of God, when we come into this world, we're fallen. We're dead in sin. When we trust Christ, we become new, better, so to speak, a better creation. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. See, God doesn't change us from the outside in. He changes us from the inside out. We become a new creature. In Ephesians 2.10, he says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We're born again. The Bible talks about being born again, which means made spiritually alive. Now, notice what he says here. If anybody's in Christ, he's a new creature. We go, wow, that's amazing. I, w I, was, I was a different creature. Now I'm a new person because I'm in Christ. Then he says this, the old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. We say, what? Old passed away, new come. What old? Well, think about it this way. What's some old things that passed away? We, we were dead. We were dead spiritually. Ephesians 2.1 says we were dead in trespasses and sins. We couldn't know spiritual things. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says the natural man or the unbelieving person can't know spiritual truths. And then we were condemned. John 3.18 said if you had not believed, you already were going to be separated from God. You were condemned already. 
That's the old. It says the old is gone. Guess what? The new has come. We're now alive. We've been made alive in Jesus Christ. We can understand spiritual truth. Ephesians 3, 17, 18, and 19 talks about how we can comprehend the things of God. And finally, there's no condemnation. We'll never be separated from God because we're in Christ as a new creation. Therefore, if anyone, you know, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So he says, listen, if you're in Christ, that means you've trusted Jesus as your Savior. You're a new person. The old is gone. You, you were dead. You, you couldn't understand the things of God. You were going to be separated from God forever. But the new has come. You're now alive in Christ. You can understand the things of God. You're spiritually alive. And there's no condemnation to you. You'll never be separated from God. Coleman Luck said this. He said, we bring people to Christ so that they may find new life. That's why we call it eternal life. That's why we say you trust in Jesus Christ to get eternal life. Because that's what you get. So here's what he says. Therefore, in summary, if anyone's in Christ, anyone who's ever trusted Christ, guess what? You're now a new person. The old things have gone away and the new things have come. And then as he starts verse 18, he says, and all these things are from God. Now what he wants you to understand is that these things are from God. This change that's going from death to life, this being a new creature, it's because God did it. We didn't do it. We didn't say, okay, I'm going to try to clean up my life. I'm going to try to get my life better. I'm going to try to be a better person. The moment you trust Jesus Christ, he changes us. He changes us from death to life. It, it's, it's, this is, he does it. It's all from God. That's why the Bible says, not by works of righteousness we've done, but according to his mercy, he says. That's why the Bible says, by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. And so we see over and over again that salvation is of God. The moment you trust Christ, he saves you. You don't save yourself. Your good works have nothing to do with it. Your good works have nothing to do with getting saved. Your good works have nothing to do with keeping you saved. You're saved because Jesus Christ gives you eternal life the moment you believe in him and you are saved forever. All of God. He says, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, new things are coming. All this is from God. See, when man tries to change himself, it's called religion. When God changes us, it's called salvation. And they're different. Now, he does something. He now wants to explain what God has done. He says, now all these things are from God who, and he says, reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He actually says God has done two things. He has reconciled us and he gave us ministry. Well, let's talk about it because this is, this is what the story of the Bible is. The story of the Bible is reconciliation. I said it a while ago, and if you've ever been in my 2-2 class or maybe the 412 class or some other things, we, we emphasize at our church what is the story of the Bible Perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. Now think about that. God brings man to himself through Christ. You have an eternal relationship with God because you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. He is the one that brings you back to God. That's the plan. It's called reconciliation. So God has reconciled us and gave us a ministry. Let's think about God has reconciled us. Reconcile. God brings man back to himself. 
We ought to be thankful of that because we were separated from God and we were going to be separated from him forever and we were going to go to what the Bible calls the lake of fire. The Bible also calls it the second death. And what God did was take us and we were headed to the second death and he takes us and brings us back to himself through Christ. Notice what he says. Now all these things are from God who, watch, God reconciled us to himself through Christ. See, that's the story of the Bible. God brings us to himself through Christ. That's what it is. See, we need to be brought back because the problem is with man, not with God. Man sinned. God didn't sin. Man sinned. We moved away. Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray, each one our own way. We're the ones that have moved away. We're on the path to death and separation, and God gives us life and fellowship. Now notice what he says. Namely, that, uh, verse 18 again, Now all these things are from God who has reconciled us. God reconciled mankind to himself. How? Through Christ. How did he do it? It's through Jesus. That's why John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. If you're going to be reconciled to God, you have to come through Jesus Christ, because he's the Savior. There is no other Savior. There's no other way to be saved. You can't be good. There's not that because our, our goodness is filthy rags. The wages of sin is death. The, wage, the payment for sin is not good works. The payment for sin is Jesus Christ dying in our place and giving to us eternal life as a gift. Jesus is the Savior. If there's anything we need to stand for as a local church, it is that we stand for Jesus Christ the Savior of the world, the one who died and rose again, and whoever believes in him has eternal life. God has reconciled us to himself through Christ. That's the message. That's why he came. John three seventeen. he says, God did not send the Son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, there's no other name given under heaven among men whereby we might be saved except the name Jesus Christ. That's why his name is above all names, and that's why at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. He is the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. So what do we see? The very first thing, God has reconciled us, but he's not through. Look what it says. He gave us a ministry. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. Notice the verse. He says, now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and did what? Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Ministry of reconciliation. We get to tell people how God brings man back to himself. When we go out these doors, our message is God has a way to bring man who has fallen back into an eternal relationship with God. We call that salvation. We get to tell people this message of reconciliation. What is it? It's simply telling people how God has provided as a provision to bring mankind to himself. Jesus Christ came, died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. The gospel message is whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life brought into an eternal relationship with God. It is the response responsibility of every one of us in this room. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. It is responsibility of every one of us in this room who know Jesus Christ as Savior. He has reconciled us and he has given to us a ministry, the ministry to tell other people how they can be brought back to God as well. We have that privilege. We, he has brought us back and has given to us a ministry. Now, Paul writes amazing, and he does something in the next verse. He says, I want to make sure they got it. 
So I'm going to say the same thing again. Remember what did he say? He said that God has reconciled us and gave us a ministry. So in verse 19, he's going to say it again so we won't miss it. Look at verse 19. He first of all says, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against him, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So here he says, first of all, God has reconciled us. It's not God to the world, but the world to God. God didn't move away. Man moved away. When Adam and Eve sinned, God didn't move away from them. When they sinned, they moved away from God, and God came in the garden looking for them, and they were hiding behind some bushes, Right? And God said, where are you? He knew where, he were, where they were. He wanted them to say, we're over here. And he said, have you eaten of that fruit? And he wanted them to say, yes, we blew it. And Adam said, no, 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 you gave me a defective woman. She gave me the fruit. I ate it. That's what he, that's what he said. He wanted them to confess his sin, but he blamed it on somebody else. And then she blamed it on somebody else. And see, man moved away from God. So it's not God reconciling. He's not being reconciled to the world. It's the world being reconciled to God. Notice what he says. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. It's God using Jesus to bring mankind back. I like what Harry Ironside said. He said, Jesus didn't die so God could love us. Jesus Christ loved us and sent Jesus to die. Now notice there's an amazing thing in the middle of this verse. It's a little bit different than verse 18. He says, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That's the story of reconciliation right there. God using Christ to bring mankind back to himself. But then he says this, not counting their trespasses against them. What? He didn't count our sins. You understand that? Now a lot of people don't understand that. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he took the sins of every person, past, present, and future. He took those sins upon himself and made the payment. God doesn't count your sins against you. The basis of salvation is not dealing with your sins. The basis of salvation is putting your faith in Christ to give you eternal life. He says that he's not counting our trespasses against us. What did he do with our sins? He put them on Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2.24 says he bore in his body our sins when he was on the cross. Isaiah 53 says all we like sheep have gone astray, each one our own way, but the Lord have laid our sins and iniquities on him. God took our sin, sins, past, present, future, and put them on Jesus Christ. So when you stand before Christ, he's not looking at your sin. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, first of all, if you trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, you have his righteousness, there's no sin on your account, you're a child of God. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, he's still not looking at your sin. Jesus has already paid the penalty. He wants you to believe. He that believes is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already because they have not believed in the only begotten name of God, which is Jesus. That's John 3.18. Salvation is not based on, uh, your lack of salvation is not based on the fact that you're a sinner because Jesus has already paid for all the sins. Your salvation is based on the fact whether you believe in Christ for eternal life or not. God has done it all. That's why that verse says it's all God. So he says, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses, and then what's the second thing that he did? He gave us a ministry, notice, 
and has deposited. It says he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. The word committed means to deposit. He's actually said, I've given you a message. It's the message about reconciliation. Every one of us in this room have a message to tell. We get to tell people how people can be reconciled to God by faith in Jesus Christ. We get to do that. We get to tell them that Jesus came to the earth and died on the cross to pay for sin and rise again to conquer death. And he offers a gift of eternal life to anyone who will simply believe. And when whoever believes in him will never perish but be reconciled to God and have eternal life. That's our message. He says he's deposited to us that message. So think about this. Who are we? We are a new creation in Christ. We're God's children. What did God do? He reconciles us to himself and gave us the ministry, the message of reconciliation. Well, that takes us to our responsibility. What are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Well, look at the next verse, therefore. Therefore, because of all this, because we're a new creation in Christ, because we've been reconciled to God, because he's given us the ministry of reconciliation, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors. We get to represent Christ. Now, let's think about an ambassador for a second. Let's pretend that you're an ambassador from the United States to England, to Great Britain. So where do you live? You don't live in the United States. Think about it. You're not a citizen of where they live. You're an ambassador for the United States. You're living in London, but your citizenship's not in London. It's in America. You don't represent yourself, but you represent the United States. And the authority that you have is the message of the United States, not of yourself. Well, you're an ambassador for Christ, and think about that. Your citizenship is not this world. You live here representing Christ, but your citizenship is in heaven, Philippians 3.20. Our citizenship is in heaven. We don't represent ourselves. We represent Christ. When we go out these doors, we're not representatives of ourselves. We're representatives of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, and our authority is the Word of God. That's the message. It's not our message. It's His message. A.H. Hodge said this, he said, ambassador does not speak in his own name, he does not act on his own authority, he speaks what has been commanded. That's why the Bible says, be ready to give an answer to everyone for the hope that is within us. Our message is a message of life and death. When people hear this message, if they trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, they have eternal life. If they reject Jesus Christ as Savior, if something doesn't change before they physically die, they will be separated from him forever. So therefore, he says, therefore, we are ambassadors. We are representatives of Christ as if God were making an appeal through us and if his God is using us to tell them the message. And then he says, here's our message. We beg, and literally in the Greek it actually says, we beg people on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We go out these doors and we don't say, hey, Jesus is the way, take it or leave it. We say, we beg you to believe in Jesus Christ as Savior. He's the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He died for you. You have no hope without Jesus Christ. He has died for you. He has paid for your sin. He's risen again. He will give you the gift of eternal life just by faith. We beg you, trust Christ. He says, we beg you, be reconciled to God. So, who are we? We're new creations. What has God done? He's reconciled us, gave us a ministry. What do we do? We're supposed to be ambassadors for 
Jesus Christ. And that takes us to the very last thing, and that's the summary of the work on the cross, the basis for the whole ministry. Verse 21 says, For God hath made him, it says, He made him, God made him, that's Jesus. God made Jesus, who knew no sin, he was sinless, to be sin on our behalf. In other words, take our sin, so that we, when we trust in Jesus, might have become the righteousness of God in him. When Jesus Christ died in our place, taking our sin, when we believe in him, we get his righteousness. He became our substitute. He took our sin. He died in our place. You understand that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died in your place. He took your sin upon himself. He took mine. He took all of our sins. And he paid that penalty. And it says, for God had made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. He took our sin. He became our substitute as we just read a while ago in 1 Peter 2.24 and Isaiah 53, he took our place. F.B. Meyer wrote this. He said, I love what he said. He said, Jesus Christ came into the sinner's world. He died the sinner's death. He was treated as the scapegoat, the sin offering for the human family. He stood as our substitute, our sacrifice, and our satisfaction. He carried the guilt, the curse, and the penalty of our sins. That's what he did for us. God made him who's perfect, who knew no sin, to take our sin. So that, he goes on to say, so that we might become the righteousness of God. When you believe in Jesus Christ, God gives you his righteousness. It's amazing. That's who we are. We believe in him, we get God's righteousness. Romans 4, 5, to him who does not work, but believes God credits to them righteousness. Every one of us in this room, when you believed in Jesus Christ, not only did he make you a new creature, he gave you his righteousness. What a passage. Charles Spurgeon said, Jesus stood in our place so we could stand in his place. So we've seen the charge. The charge to the Corinthians, fulfill your ministry. Who are we? New creations in Christ. What did God do? He reconciled us and gave us a ministry. What are we to do? We're ambassadors for Christ as though God were begging through us. What do we do? What's it all based on? Jesus died for us in our place so that we might have eternal life. So let me give you some applications. You can think through this. First of all, let's realize what Christ has done for us. Think about this. He has reconciled us to himself. He's done it. It's all based on the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came and died in our place, became our substitute, took our trespasses. And, and I love this quote. Listen to this. The birth of Christ brought God to man, but the cross of Christ brought man to God. It's so beautiful. He became our substitute. Realize what Christ has done for us. He has reconciled us to himself. We are a new person. We're different. We're born again. We're a new creation in Christ. And he has given to us the ministry, the message of reconciliation. Do you realize you are entrusted with this message to go out into this community? So that says, let's be faithful. Let's be faithful as ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Let's take this message. Because remember, our citizenship's in heaven. We're representing Jesus while we're on his earth. Our citizenship isn't here, it's in heaven. We're children of God, not of this world. Our goals and our plans and our dreams should be based on the eternal things, not the temporal things. As ambassadors, we represent Jesus Christ, not ourselves. Think about when you wake up in the morning. Do you say, what am I going to do today? Or are you going to say, Lord, what do you want me to do today? I represent you. Let's proclaim the good news of God's way of reconciliation through Jesus Christ. 
we go out these doors with the message. If you say, I'm not confident. I'm not sure I know what to say. I'm not sure I understand it. I, I mean, I'm a Christian. I know I have eternal life. But if I was talking to somebody, I, I'm afraid I wouldn't know what to tell them. Well, call me. I'll make sure you know. If you don't have time to call me, take a 412, take the 412 class this semester. Take the 22 class this semester at SBI. Get with somebody else who knows, and they will train you and teach you. That's what this church is all about. That's our plan. I read this quote, and it really hit me. It says, whenever a church, let me say it this way, it says it this way, a church begins to die when its purpose is for the benefit of its members rather than representing Christ into the world. When we as a church look at ourselves and say, what can we do for us? How can we make us comfortable? How can we do this that we like? How can we have this? When we begin to look and focus inward, we will die. Our goal is to gather to worship and be trained and then go into this community to lead people to Christ, to tell them the message of reconciliation, bring them in, train them and equip them so they can reproduce themselves.